With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you ready? I'm doing great, LC. How are you? I'm all right. It's uh, going to be a stormy night here, but uh, that's always good to listen to uh, Blog Talk Radio, especially the Ultimate Fight Show. With that being said, we got a lot to talk about. Not not a huge card. Should be a, a short show, but definitely informative. Bragg, how's it going over there? It's going well. We've had some storms early this morning. Uh, got. Uh, locked out of our work this morning due to lightning. Uh, probably going to get some storms later this evening. But, again, like you said, it's all good. Not, what a better night to sit down, listen to the Ultimate Fight Show, and get ready for this weekend's MMA action. Absolutely. And there's a storm circling Madison Square Garden. We'll have a big announcement there, along with some other things happening from around the world of MMA and boxing in particular. You're listening to the Ultimate Fight Show. If you want to call in, the number is one six five seven three eight three one four one two. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Bragg, you want to hit them with the social media? Absolutely. It's easy to find us. Uh, you can go to Facebook.com slash The Ultimate Fight Show. On Twitter, we are at The Alt Fight Show. And, of course, on Instagram, it's The Ultimate Fight Show. You All can right, find me uh, at the Bragman and LC at LC the third. For sure. All right, let's talk about uh, not a lot of things happening in boxing last week. So let's just jump right into UFC Fight Night from Brazil. We had Cyborg taking on Leah Landsberg at a catchweight fight. Bragman and myself. The card was kind of weak overall, but there was three fights that we called. And uh, let's start with the uh, Roy Nelson Antonio Silva. Bragg, this was a real interesting fight. Both you and I thought Roy Nelson would take care of business and get Bigfoot out of there, but it was a little crazy the way it went down. You want to talk a little bit and tell the listeners what happened there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's been a, it's a little bit of a bromance, as you could say, uh, going on between Roy Nelson and, Anders, uh, and Antonio Bigfoot Silva. Uh, over the last few years, they've become really good friends. They've trained together and have gotten really close. Um, 
they got the call to fight each other. It was a, you know, business is business. They're out there to make money and to win. They agreed that whatever happened, happened, and after the fight, they were going to go out there and have, I believe they were going to go for a barbecue. Uh, Silva was going to take Nelson out and show him the lay of the land in Brazil. It was, it was all supposed to be rainbow and roses for Roy Nelson and Bigfoot Silva after the fight. Uh, during the fight, as we expected, Roy Nelson took care of business, knocked Silva out. The controversy, the more exciting bit happened after the fight as John McCarthy, who, as we all know, longtime veteran, one of the best in the business, hands down, uh, Nelson thought he should have stopped the fight a little earlier. Felt like Roy Nelson felt like he had to throw a few extra shots into Bigfoot in order to get McCarthy in to stop the fight. Nelson was frustrated at the end, and he actually went over and sort of push-shoved McCarthy as he was tending to um, Silva. Uh, very inappropriate. I, I don't get Nelson's issue there, but otherwise, nonetheless, he, he felt like he, the fight should have been stopped earlier. Um, I know Dana White wasn't happy. I haven't heard of any punishments handed down um, to Roy Nelson about that. McCarthy was a little perturbed, upset about him. He kind of shook it off, is what it is. Um, very, very different than what you expect from Roy Nelson. He's usually nice and jolly, um, but a little bit of frustration set in there, and it got the best of him. Yeah, I mean, Roy, I, I can see what happened. I, I mean, I thought personally that it was a late stoppage. I thought Bigfoot was out and that he had to take a couple more shots there. And Roy Nelson, again, being good friends with Antonio Silva, didn't feel like his friend needed to take that punishment. And he even said, I read a quote afterwards, and he said about Big John, he's like, dude, I knock people out for a living. He's like, that's what I do. This dude was knocked out. He wasn't getting back up because apparently Big John said that was still responsive and that, you know, he wasn't finished. So, I'm going to tend to go, as great of a ref as Big John is, he's a pioneer Hall of Famer, I'm going to go with the guy that knocks people out for a living to say, hey, my friend's had enough, especially when these two have probably knocked each other out in sparring at some point over the last five years, Bragg. So I'm okay with what Roy Nelson did. And apparently Roy Nelson and Big John are also friends, and the little push kick was just more to be like, dude, you know, wake up, not to like, you know, hurt him or do anything like that. So I don't think they'll be. A yeah. Fight. Yeah. It, it was one of those things. Like I said, it, it, it happened and it was over pretty much. Yeah. Nelson was frustrated and big John for as great as he is, he's human. We've seen referees at all levels, make a mistake from time and again, I could definitely see the where it should have been stopped earlier. There was probably a few extra shots thrown in that wouldn't have had to have been. And, yeah, like you said, McCarthy and Nelson, um, they've been longtime acquaintances, um, friends to an extent. So it, it, it's, it was a situation that really got blown a little bit out of proportion. Nelson probably should have handled it a little better because he also uh, flipped the bird at him at, um, after the fight as well, which probably caused more – of a, a shock than, than uh, anything else kind of brought it out, you know, kind of brought the spotlight on that situation. So could it have been handled better? Yes. Was it overblown? Yes. 
we're going to move on. And so are we. Anyway, so Philip Nover against Hanan Barau. Barau, former featherweight, cha- I mean, uh, former uh, bantamweight champion, moving up to featherweight now at 145. I thought he looked okay, was able to, you know, he's taking on a tough guy in Philip Nover, was able to win a unanimous decision. He won all three rounds. Greg, what do you think about Barau at featherweight, or do you think that, you know, it's too early to tell, or do you think that he should maybe make the effort to get back down to 35 to challenge there? You know, he did what he had to do to win the fight. Uh, We both thought it would be a unanimous decision. It wasn't overly oppressive. It it really just depends. I mean, you know, it's a little bit of an adjustment for him right now um, with the – with the new weight, it, it really just depends. I, I'd say give it another shot. Uh, let's see how his see how his cut goes. See how he feels going in. But uh, I mean, Felipe Nover, he's not a world beater, but he's also not a pushover either. He's a guy that um, can challenge you and can be a dangerous fighter. So it was almost more of a, a cautious fight. I don't think Boral took as many chances as he maybe could have or should have to win, but. He did what he had to do. He got the unanimous decision, and um, it'll be interesting to see where he goes from here. Who do you think would be a good opponent next for Burrell? I think, uh, you know, it all depends on what Burrell wants to do. If he wants to take another feeler to get acclimated to the new weight, then I would say, you know, somebody uh, not maybe, maybe – uh, uh, not Max Holloway. I think Max Holloway would be too – Max Holloway or Anthony Pettis are the two names that I'm thinking for him. But at the same time, those are also guys who are in the top five of the division. So, it, it, to me, I still – the last time when you and I were on – when we had our show rolling for three years straight, the idea of a, of a dominant Cruz, Hanan Barrao super fight – was huge. Burrell won 30 fights in a row before T.J. Dillashaw rocked his world and upset him, which is, again, why he vacated and moved to featherweight. So I'd still like to see him go back down there, and I I think he can still do damage at bantamweight. But, again, if he's going to stay at featherweight, I think him and Anthony Pettis would be a really good fight. Anthony Pettis would be a good fight for him. I think uh, Cub Swanson's right there. I think that would be a real good fight for him. Mm-hmm. You know, Der- Jeremy Stevens is another guy who he's he's ranked, I believe, number seventh in the UFC. Um, yeah, have you, the featherweight uh, rankings, the featherweight uh, division right now is pretty stacked. It's going to be pretty crowded for Burrell to get any traction there. He's going to have to beat a top level opponent to really get there. But I agree with you. I think uh, Anthony Pettis would be a good fight for him. Two guys that are new to that featherweight division, I think it would be a really good fight for him. I'd say either um, he, Jeremy Stevens, or Cub Swanson would pro- should probably be a good fight for a uh, yeah, and, Jer- and Jeremy Stevens is, has his hands filled with Frankie at uh, the UFC 205 card, which is just absolutely stacked. Plus, <clears throat> oh, Stevens that's right. Also, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> And Stevens also got into a war of words with Conor McGregor, the featherweight champion, called him a, a, a retarded ginger and a loudmouth and said that he knocks people out, whereas Conor TKOs him. So 
and then Connor prompted and said, who the fuck is this guy? And everybody laughed. So, you know, I, it's interesting. I think Featherweight's just one of those divisions that's so volatile right now. It's just ready to explode between the tension with, with Jose and Connor and Connor getting to defend and go after another belt. It, it's, it's interesting. So if Burrell wants to be in the mix, he's definitely there now. Let's move on to the uh, catchweight fight, the main event. Chris Justino Cyber, Cyborg against Lena Landsberg, who was a, you know, Landsberg was a Muay Thai champion, said she was going to get in close, said she was going to hammer her with elbows and knees, and she did nothing of the sort. She got destroyed, Bragg. Um, you know, it went two rounds, but Cyborg outstruck her 100 to 24, had her in several dominant positions, just a complete annihilation for Cyborg, the beast, the legend, the myth. What do you think about her, and what do you see next? You know, it it was a, another dominating performance. How it got out of the first round, um, who knows? Uh, give give Miss Landsberg credit. I mean, she's a tough, tough woman, and she you know, she was able to hang in there for at least a round and a half, but. Of course, Cyborg just continues rolling. I mean, there's, and once again, she calls out Ronda Rousey. That that is a super fight. That is a fight that really needs to happen. Um, it's one of those fights that we've talked about um, for a while. Now, of course, Rousey's been promised a title shot when she comes um, against Juliana Pena. If I'm sorry, um, Amanda Nunes. You know, whenever that happens, but really, I'll tell you what, I really, really want to see uh, Cyborg and Rousey fight. I think that is the that is a money fight, whether it happens at 145, whether it happens at 140. Cyborg, as tough as she said it would be, has said that she wouldn't even have, make 135 to fight Ronda Rousey, as, as hard as that would be on her, but she would do it. That that's the that's fight's got to be made next year. I'm sorry, that's that is the money fight for women's MMA right now. Yeah, I agree that it's it's the biggest fight in the history of women's mixed martial arts. But we also have some breaking news on that front, and apparently Cyborg has said now that she cannot make 135 pounds. She has tried. She has Greg Jackson as her coach the nutritionist, everything, I guess 140 pounds is even a strain on her. So she said that she physically can't get down there so that, so Rhonda needs to come up five pounds, which I guess Rhonda has said that she will do. But Cyborg also said to Dana White that she doesn't want to fight anyone anymore unless they're a top five fighter at 135 and they're going to have to move up to 140, or they're going to have to create a new division for her. I, I mean, I'm looking at her resume. She lost her first fight ever, May 17, 2005. She hasn't lost since. She's won 18 fights in a row, spanning 11 and a half years. She is by far the greatest female mixed martial artist of, of all time. Um, Rhonda, you know, she did it at a higher level, on a bigger stage, but she only did nine in a row. She's won. She's doubled that, and she destroys people. I mean, she hasn't had a decision since October 4th, 2008. I mean, she's doing what Triple G does in boxing. Craig, what do you think? 
No, absolutely. I mean, she is by far, um, you know, the, the standard bearer for women's MMA. And, you know, with all the controversy aside, I mean, she is a great fighter. And it really sucks that, you know, she's not going to be able to make it down to 135. I had not heard that uh, this afternoon. But, yeah, hopefully she'll be able to – they'll be able to make that fight because I – the word is that I'm I'm looking at an article published by ESPN this morning that talks about Ronda Rousey. Dana White has stated that Ronda Rousey does want to fight Chris Cyborg and would be willing Mm -hmm. to – have that fight at 140, as you mentioned. So it, it's a really intriguing fight. If they could have made that for Madison Square Garden, oh, my God, you know they would have done it. Um, who, who knows? It's really, at this point, I believe it's up to Rousey. I don't think Rousey's going to ju- – this is just my opinion. I heard that the target date for Rousey's return is UFC 207 which is the end-of-the-year card, the New Year's Eve, you know, weekend, whatever card. And I just highly doubt that she would jump right in from having a year-and-a-half layoff to fighting the most dangerous person to her, even when she was undefeated. So I I think you're going to see Rousey against um, Amanda Nunes. I think that her and her team probably feel that that's an easy – Chair, that, that she's weak. She, I mean, I'm not saying Nunez is weak. I picked her to beat champion and to beat Kate, but I just don't. I think the style wise, they think that that's a much easier fight for Ronda. Or you never know. I mean, she could, she could if they just want to make money and put her in with someone with name recognition that she can beat. There's always Misha Tate. I mean, she's already beat her up twice. I'm sure that they would do it again. So, yeah, that's about you know, what I think as far as that. Now, moving on, Greg, let, let's talk about some of the news that has happened in the last couple of days. And, you know, of course, we're alluding to that UFC 205 card, Madison Square Garden. Let's just talk about the fighters that we have confirmed. You got Conor McGregor, Eddie Alvarez for the lightweight title. You got Chris Weedman against Yoel Romero for an eliminator for the middleweight title. You got Frankie Edgar against Jeremy Thompson, 145 with title implications there. Greg, this Jeremy is card getting, I mean, Jeremy Stevens, yeah, pretty serious, pretty quick. What do you think? Oh, man, you, and you just touched the tip of the iceberg there. The welterweight title is also scheduled to be on the line. Tyrone Woodley finally uh, gets this fight with Stephen Thompson. Uh, not to mention wow. Joanna Jadretrick, uh, the women's strongweight oh, yeah, champion. Yeah. Um, she fights Carolina Kowal- Kowalovich. Kowalski, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then my other favorite name to, tie, uh, to, um, to say is Khabib Nurmagomedov. Uh, he's <laughs> fighting Michael Johnson. I mean, I mean, up and down this card, I mean, it's stacked, and that's still, I mean, we hadn't even talked about Cowboy versus Ga- uh, Calvin Gaslam, um, Tim Kennedy versus Rashad Evans, and then our girl Misha Tate uh, fighting Raquel Pennington. Yeah, it's a huge card. I mean, it, it's by far the biggest card of the year, bigger than UFC 200. And, again, with Kebab, not going to pronounce his name, 
that's, you know, he was someone who Eddie Alvarez and him were supposed to fight, and then Connor kind of jumped the gun there. So a lot of people are going to be really interested in what happens in those two fights because you could eat Kebab wins against Johnson. You know he's getting the winner of uh, Alvarez and McGregor. So it's it's a huge, huge event. Now there's some other big news, Brad, coming out of Brazil. Again, in the in the volatile featherweight division, but former champion Jose Aldo has now said in light of the Conor McGregor, Eddie Alvarez signing, that he has asked Dana White for his outright release from the UFC, citing that he did not join the UFC to follow Conor McGregor around or to be at his whim. He's earned a shot. He was undefeated for 10 years, lost on a flash knockout, beat the next top contender in Frankie Edgar Bragg, and he wants his damn title shot. Does he have a case here, or is this one of those issues where Dana White could, you know, step in here and be like, okay, Jose, we're going to strip McGregor. If he wins, we're going to give you the featherweight championship to do what you want. Or is this, or, or is, you know, as they say, you know, like, is this something that demands blood? You know, does Jose have a case? Well, we've talked about it offline, and I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Conor McGregor is at a point there. The UFC is almost bending over backwards to give him what he asked for. Uh, Jose Aldo has definitely earned a rematch with Conor McGregor. It was a flash knockdown. It was his first loss in God knows how many fights, how many years. He did what he had to do by dominating Frankie Edgar earlier this year to win the interim featherweight title. Um, and Conor McGregor, who won the title from him, has yet to defend the featherweight title. He's, he's fought two fights at welterweight, and now he wants to fight for and going one and one, by the way. Um, and now he wants to challenge for the lightweight belt, which he's never had a fight at um, in the UFC. Yes, he was scheduled to fight uh, Rafael Dos Anjos. That fell through, through in, due to injury. And, of course, we all know what happened when Nate Diaz took, stepped in and took, to take the fight. Listen, Jose Aldo, yes, he has a legit argument. And he <laughs> – can you imagine the Bellator featherweight division if uh, Jose Aldo uh, decides to get his release? But seriously, he's frustrated. I really hope Coolerheads prevail here and he sticks it out. I think win, lose, or draw, I think Connor's next fight after this has to be a defense of the featherweight title or just drop it and move on. I don't think he should carry around two belts or, or at least for an extended period of time. It's one of those things with the featherweight title. He chased it, he chased it, he chased it, taught himself into the fight with Joe Seado. Now it's time to show get off the pot, featherweight pot. Either defend it or let it go and move on. Yeah. I mean, it's, my dad used to say, should or get off the pot. You know, it's um, <laughs> time for Connor to make a decision. I personally, I said it before when we started the show back up, that I don't think Connor McGregor can make 145 anymore. So I don't, I, I see, I think, I think he's holding on to that featherweight title like a safety net, kind of like, you know, he, 
he was holding on to it. If he would have lost to Diaz, okay, I go back down and I defend my title. But he won, so now he can go after another belt at 55 where he was supposed to challenge uh, Rafael Dos Anjos anyway for. So I suspect that if Connor beats Eddie, that he gives up the featherweight title. And I got to think something that, um, and, and I agree with you, I think he does too. But here's a scenario for you as well. Um, a consolation prize that the UFC could give to Jesse Aldo, and not that I'm hoping it happens, but in the instance to say Eddie Alvarez gets injured between now and then during training, something happens, he's not able to make the fight. You could insert Jose Alto and Aldo into that fight. You know, maybe there's a provision that Conor McGregor is aware of this. Make it a featherweight title fight, and uh, there you go. So that's, that that could be a backup plan as well. Well, and here's another and here's another backup plan too. Let, let, let's say, let's say Conor beats Eddie, decides to stay at lightweight. So now Jose, you know gets the title for featherweight, but he hasn't defended it against anyone. And then <clears throat> 10 pounds south at 135 pounds, you got one of the best fighters town for pound in the world and Dominic Cruz, who because of his injury, because injuries and because of his, the time frame and his age and how good he is behind the desk, all, said he only wants to fight in super fights because let's face it, Cruz probably only has two or three good fights left in him before his knees completely break down again. So now you have an opportunity where Cruz could jump up and challenge Jose for another title to add to his legacy, and then you get Jose with a chance to defend against another Hall of Famer. It's a huge opportunity, and that can very easily be dangles to keep Jose in the UFC. Yeah, absolutely. That would that would definitely be a super fight. Uh, you know, a lot of people when they think of super fights, they don't look at the lighter divisions. But those two guys have done it at the highest level for the longest time. Um, and here, let me throw something else at you. Since the um, McGregor Diaz fight, where McGregor got the decision win, they've they've already started talking about a, a, a the the. Uh, trilogy fight. McGregor wins that lightweight title. Nate Diaz's natural weight is at lightweight. You see where I'm Absolutely. going with this. So, there, so there's your huge money fight um, the spring of next year. Absolutely. And and again, I'm looking at the, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the Ultimate Fight Show rankings right now, and if you even look at the pound, pound list, we got Dominic Cruz at two, we got Conor McGregor at three, Eddie Alvarez is at five, and then Jose Alba's at six. So you're talking about four dudes in the top six that all have an opportunity to fight each other. And then Demetrius Johnson, who's number one, he's got a, a date with the winner of Tough Champions Edition. But then after that, there's already been talks of him and Dominic Cruz having a rematch in a super fight again. And remember, Dominic Cruz is the only man to ever beat Demetrius Johnson and it was by a split decision. So, a lot of things happened. Yeah, it's going to be really fun to see um, how things unfold. Uh, but 
Yeah, I mean, ultimately, that fight has huge implications. Really, as we talked about, on upwards of three, possibly four, even um, divisions in the UFC. So, definitely an exciting fight. They they are going all out for the New York City and Madison Square Garden debut, as they promised they would. Um, I can't wait, man. I'm pumped. November twelfth cannot get here fast enough. Yeah. And so, uh, what do you think? Does Jose stay or does he go? Fact or fiction? I think he stays. I, I, they, uh, he 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 could be stubborn. Uh, he could walk. He could get his release. That that's even saying that if they offer his offer him the release, uh, I think he's smart enough to know that he probably doesn't have many years left. He could get some super fights out of the last uh, couple of years of his career, make a lot of money. I think he stays. Yeah, I think he stays too. Where's he going to go? It's the best, uh, it's the best organization in the world. All right, let's talk a little sweet science here at the Ultimate Fight Show. Edition here, Ultimate Fight Show. Right now, a lot to talk about from the from the Sweet Science. You know, it's not. We had the big pay per view with uh, Canelo two weeks ago, and it's just uh, you know before that we had the Triple G fight that was on, and now uh, there's really nothing on the landscape coming up. Year to date, I'm 13 and two. Bragman's 12 and three at one back, so I. You know, we're doing our part. It's still hitting at over 80, 85%, but really nothing coming up. Now, we do have a little bit of news that there is going to be uh, a, a pay-per-view battle. Sergey Kovalov versus Andre Ward is going to take place on the same night as Manny Pacquiao against Jesse Vargas on a different network. It's huge. There's going to be a, you know, where where are you going to put your money at? Do you buy uh, for me, I don't. I, I think Kovalov Ward is the fight of the year. I think it's the biggest fight that can be made that's not Canelo Triple G. Bragg, what do you think? No, I agree absolutely. I, it, you know, as as great as Manny Pacquiao is, I've, I've been down on him the last couple of years, as you know. Uh, Kovalov Ward is the money fight. That is the fight um, of the year, as you mentioned. Uh, I think it has. I think it has potential to go down as one of the greater fights that we talk about for years to come. So I'm definitely going with Kovalov and Ward as my viewing uh, choice. Yeah, I mean, this is this – is, I'm, I'm reading the story as it developed to give you guys all the, uh, the latest. Now, Andre Ward and Manny Pacquiao and Sergey Kovalov and Jesse Vargas all fight for HBO, but HBO apparently passed on the Vargas-Pacquiao pay-per-view in favor of the Kovalov-Ward super fight. And so now Bob Arum, with with his greed and his need to make money off of Pacquiao while he still has him, is going to put this pay-per-view on through top rank. So we I don't even know who's going to even call this thing. They don't have any broadcasters lined up. They don't have anything lined up. But their need to make money is so – I mean, you could put this thing on HBO for free. 
the night before if you really wanted people to see it, Bray. What do you think? I mean, you know how I feel about Bob Arum. Well, you know, if HBO really wanted to do something special, it's not. They're both in Las Vegas. Play it like the UFC does. I mean, you could put a couple of fight prelim, you know, so to speak, on HBO, you know, live on you know on cable, and just promote the hell out of uh, Kovalov and Ward later in the night as the pay per view. I mean, what would that? That wouldn't hurt. Yeah, I mean, it's they got to. I'm, you know, where we're, we all know what. If you're a fan of boxing, everybody knows you're going to be watching Ward Kovalov. It's not even a question. Absolutely. All right, let's. Uh, not a lot to talk about. Oh, one more thing that we'll talk about before we get to the schedule is uh, what's going on with Tyson Fury, man. Now we're talking about the heavyweight champion of the world, the lineal champion, the guy that beat the guy that beat the guy going back to John L. Sullivan in 1896. So he had a nervous breakdown, pulled out of his fight with Klitschko that was supposed to happen in two weeks, and apparently his promoter said he doesn't think that he's ever going to fight again. He checked into a mental hospital. So I guess the pressure of being the champion of the world was too much for him to deal with. So Bragg, what do you think? Do you think that this is just Tyson Fury? He's he's a traveler. He's part of the Gypsy Clan. They're known for you know playing mind games and stuff like that. Do you think that this is just a way for Tyson Fury to get out of fighting Klitschko? Because a lot of people think Klitschko is going to knock him out this time. That that he caught Vladimir on an off night. Or do you think this is just that there's real concern here for the mental well-being of Tyson Fury? Well, you know, not to be funny here, this is probably going to come off as a little comical, but fighters are a special breed of cat, man. They, they are they are wired a little differently, as you know, anyway. Uh, not to mention, you know, the biggest, he, you know, he, it's it's one thing to chase the belt. It's another, another to defend it. Uh, you're going to have the additional press commitments. You're going to have the additional... Um, you know, the stress of defending the belt. Uh, not to mention you're defending it against a guy who is 6-4 and 4 overall, has 53 knockouts on his record. Um, it, who knows? Uh, you know, concern for Tyson. Hopefully he's okay. Hopefully this is just, like you said, a mental, uh, panic attack, a mental breakdown, something he's going to be able to work through with, maybe some counseling. Um He's too good and too talented of a guy never to fight again. And hopefully this isn't something that's going to keep him from doing so. Uh, I guess the, I guess he has until next week uh, to uh, provide some type of update. Uh, there's a chance he could get stripped for of the WBO belt. Uh, that would be unfortunate because it's taken a long time for the lineal titles to be um, for all the titles to be lined up again, I'd hate to see them split up. But nevertheless, you know, all the best to Tyson Fury. Hopefully, he can come through this, and hopefully, we can get this uh, fight maybe the first um, later later this year or the first of next. Well, we do. I mean, the the fight was supposed to happen October 29th. It's off again. Okay, so now they're targeting a November 26th date where Klitschko 
could wind up facing Anthony Joshua. Now, for those of you listeners who don't know who Anthony Joshua is, he is the British gold medalist, super heavyweight gold medalist from uh, 2012. He has 17-0, 17 knockouts, steamrolled. We got him ranked number six in the heavyweight division. Another name that's been thrown out there, and I think that it's the one that I know I would want to see, is Deontay Wilder. He's 37-0. and He's 35 knockouts. He's the WBC champion of the world. He had that fight scheduled with Povechkin, who Klitschko already destroyed, and we we both thought that, that Wilder would beat Povechkin as well. Does Deontay come in there and take out Klitschko, which is what he always wanted to do anyway, but we were but then Tyson Fury beat him, you know, to it. This is just something that it's interesting. And, and then here's the other question, Brent, because I want you to answer this one more than the last one I answered. You know, after nine and a half years, the second longest heavyweight championship reign of all time, only to Larry Holmes' 22 defenses of the heavyweight title, Klitschko had 18 defenses, 11 and a half years undefeated, 22 fights in a row. And then he went 52 out of 231 against Tyson Fury and got old right before I. He's married now. He has a daughter. He's 40. Does Klitschko have anything left? I guess my question is, was the night of when he lost the heavyweight title to Tyson Fury last November, was that a fluke? Or is Vladimir done? It's tough to say either way, because Tyson Fury, I mean, he's a legit heavyweight contender. I mean, he's a guy who has a lot of talent. You know, we're so used to seeing... Vladimir Klitschko at the top of his game. We're so used to seeing him just dominate individuals, and even when he does get stretched out, I mean, just completely, you know, just just run away with it toward the end. So we've seen fighters fight effectively after 40. Maybe this was a wake-up call. Yes, he just got married. He had a, He had a lot going on. Um, in his personal life, uh, that could have affected him. I mean, he could not, may not have been focused. Uh, a refocused Vladimir Klitschko, though, one that has a little bit of an awakening, uh, a little bit of a, a motivation to get back up there and to reclaim his ch- title, could be a very dangerous Vladimir Klitschko. Um, you know, and as we said, maybe Tyson Fury was just feeling the pressure of that. Maybe he realized he may have awakened a, a, a napping giant. Who knows? But a, a motivated Vladimir Klitschko is a dangerous fighter and one that could very well win the heavyweight title and hold it for another couple of years if he chooses. And here's the other thing, too, just uh, as we move, as we close this segment, you know, to think about. Everybody for the last, I would say at least the last decade, has talked about the lackluster number of heavyweights in the division, which has in many ways led to the downfall of the viewership of boxing. Because, let's face it, boxing was always judged by its great heavyweight champions, which is, you know, the heavyweight championship of the world, regardless of the sport, is the most coveted championship in all of sports. 
when you really think about it. It's the it's one guy getting in the ring. He weighs two hundred forty plus pounds, and he's standing there with ten ounce gloves on, punching people, and not that that's what people want to see. You know, if you're the heavyweight champion of the world, like Ali, Foreman, Tyson, Lennox, you know, the great names, you're the baddest dude on the planet. And that hasn't been the case in boxing for the last ten years. But but check this out now, the six top ranked heavyweights in the world, Bragg, are all undefeated. Most of them are under 30 years old. You've got Anthony Joshua, 17-0. Luis Ortiz from the Cuban, the 6'4", 240 Southpaw Cuban. Just huge power, undefeated. Deontay Wilder, undefeated. Tyson Fury, who beat Klitschko, he's undefeated. So it's an exciting time to be a boxing fan, especially if you're if you if you want boxing to go back to the glory days of the heavyweight division, I think in the next two years, the heavyweight division is going to make a lot of fireworks. And I'll say it on record here now, Bragg, that I think, I think Klitschko's done. That's my opinion. He was a great champion. He's a Hall of Famer, first ballot. Um, and I would probably put him – I'd probably put him in the top ten of all time in the heavyweight division. But I think he's done – and I think in the next two years, whoever the heavyweight champion emerges, that that person's going to become a household name. That, that That's my my opinion, and it hasn't happened in a long time. Uh, I, I can't argue with that. I really can't. I think uh, the heavyweight division does have an exciting future. I really do, and that's one reason I'd hate to see that lineal championship get broken up again. Hopefully it doesn't. Uh, but I agree. I think somebody like Povetkin, um could be a – a uh, superstar, Dante Wilder, uh, has the tools. He could be a superstar, and as you mentioned, Anthony Joshua is a guy who who could be the, the you know the next great American uh, heavyweight um, who's uh, moving up the rankings. Just uh, th- there is a lot of potential in the heavyweight division right now, and like you said, I'd say in the next two years, you're going to see a lot of these guys. Uh, headlining pay-per-views possibly. But that, I agree with you, as you said earlier, the heavyweight title is the crown jewel. That is the top championship in the world. It is must-see television, or it used to be uh, must-see. The world stopped for a heavyweight title fight. Um, I know one of our first big ones when we started the show was uh, David Hay when he challenged Lennon McClitchko for the title. And we both thought, I remember saying it, I remember the words I told you, that the boxing world needed David Hay to win that fight so that mm-hmm. it could uh, breathe some new life. I'm sorry? Years remember, ago, yeah, remember absolutely. His toe. He said, he said it, the toe, his toe was the reason why he didn't throw a punch. <laughs> it wasn't the guy absolutely, that was 6'7 yeah. in front. It wasn't the 6'7 heavyweight rushing in front of him beating his ass. <laughs> Yeah, we we are uh, we, we completely bought into that hype there, and you know? <laughs> we need to get our money back. But yeah, man, yeah. the heavyweight division is a um, there's a lot of potential there, and I hope a lot a lot of people start paying more attention to that now that Floyd Mayweather is sort of um, you know you know has moved on a little bit. We still hear about him every now and then, uh, but you know some of the you know, some of the bigger names that we've seen in the last few years have um, sort of taken to the side now. And, you know, of course, you got Triple G and you got Canelo as the 
um, Andre Ward, Amir Khan, guys like that. But I think a heavyweight division, heavyweight division is right for a resurgence, and I cannot wait to see um, all that develop. Yeah. All right, let's get to the schedule real quick. Um, October, not a lot of stuff coming up in boxing for the last two weeks and for the next two weeks. But on October 7th, we got Ricky Burns defending his junior welterweight title against Kirill Ralkish, relatively unknown, you know, alphabet soup contender. So that's – and, I mean, that's not even really something to talk about. We will see the return of Juan Manuel Lopez against – Wilfredo Vasquez Jr., that should be an okay fight. Um, we got Ashley Theofan, who's on the money team label. He'll be fighting in Vegas also. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to – nothing really coming up. We got uh, Tony Bello against BJ Flores for the WBC Cruiserweight title. That's going to be in England on October 15th. I'm trying to see if we have a real big fight next month because there's really we got David Lemieux, Lemieux who fought Triple G and lost against Christian Rios at super middleweight. Frank, yeah, October is that, yeah, a, a little bit of a of wasteland. Yeah. Yeah, October became a little bit of a wasteland now that the heavyweight title fight is, is, is out of the picture there. I mean, all signs are pointing to that first and second week of November when you got Manny Pacquiao fighting. No need to do an air fight the first week of November. Yeah. And then, of course, um, the big one, you know, Andre yeah. Ward and uh, Sergey Kovalov. Yeah, so it, it, it's by far the, the biggest fight in the land. But, uh, yeah, so boxing October, probably not going to do a lot of coverage. We'll do um, – we definitely want to do a uh, Muhammad Ali tribute. We're definitely going to start back up our um, legendary nights. So we'll have we'll have a a uh, fight up there once a week in the month of October and little things like that, but no real big fights to cover. So, Bragg, let's uh let's get into UFC Fight Night this weekend. We got uh, Lineker against Dotson October first. This is going to be in Portland. We're only going to call three or four fights on the card. Let's start with uh, Louise. Smolka, 11-1, taking on Brandon Moreno. Now, this is a flyweight, and as you know, there's not a lot of flyweights. You know, it's very slim pickings. That's kind of why they're having the ultimate fighter, so that they can try to find a, a challenger. I mean, and those these two guys aren't even ranked in the top ten, but they're they're up-and-comers. Bragg, who do you like, and how do you see it ending? Yeah, this actually, it's an interesting fight, really, because well, I'm sorry. The previous fight, Sergio Pettis was scheduled to fight uh, Luis Smolka. However, Brandon Moreno is stepping in just over a week's notice to take uh, take his place. Um, that would have been a you know one of those fights that could set up a contender in the future. However, Luis Smolka is the up and comer here. He's a real good fighter. He's got really good submissions and great submission defense. Um, Brandon Moreno. He'd want to try to get him down, but it, I don't think it's going to work well for him. I like Smoker to win this fight and do it in submission by in round one. Yeah, I like Smoker in round two by uh, by submission. He's got real nice, smooth transitions. I think he's going to get the job done. Um, yeah, Joshua Berkman 
against Zach Ottawa, and this is at welterweight. 28 and 13 Berkman. Read not a lot about either. These, this is more just like a filler fight to me. I'm going to go with Berkman. He's the veteran. He's got a little bit more experience. I'll say Berkman by uh, unanimous decision. Yeah, it's hard to believe uh, Josh Berkman's been around, I believe, since the second season of The Ultimate Fighter. I mean, he's been around a long yeah. time. Uh, Zach Otto uh, is replacing Bobby Green on short notice, which would have uh, been a really good fight. Uh, Bobby Green's an exciting young fighter, but uh, I agree. I think uh, the experience advantage here gets Berkman over the top. I think he wins submission wins this fight by submission in round two. Yeah, and then uh, we got Will Brooks against Alex Oliveira. This is at lightweight. Now, Will Brooks is ranked, I believe he's number eight. Yes, at 17-1 and one by the Ultimate Fight Show. Oliveira, not in the rankings, but he's a top 15 guy. Greg, I think we both like Brooks in this one, right? I like Brooks by a knockout in the first round. You know, this, this should be a good fight. Uh, I like Brooks as well, but I think it's going to be a little more of a grind for him. Uh, I think he uh, is able to get some takedowns and use his uh, clinch game, which he's great at, up against the fence. But I think he uh, grinds out an NM's decision victory over Oliveira. Absolutely. And then that brings us to our uh, main event. This is the moment UFC fans around the world have been waiting for. It's time! It is time. It's, uh, we got Lineker against John Lineker against Dot, Johnny Dotson. Huge fight. Dragged. A lot of implications here. Dotson, he lost to, uh, He's lost to Ben Vadias and he's lost to Demetrius. Lineker hasn't really got that opportunity, but he's coming off. He's got about six, I think, yeah, six in a row, including a win against Uncle Creepy back in uh, January of 2015. How do you see this one going down, hands of stone Lineker against Dotson? You know, I think this is going to be a really good fight, uh, back and forth war. Both these guys are relatively new to the bantamweight division. Lineker is on a three-fight winning streak, uh, two of which have been first-round knockouts. He's got really good power, and he's very aggressive and dangerous. Uh, John Dobson uh, has been around for a while. Uh, He's one of the fastest, if not the fastest fighter in the UFC right now. Definitely one of the fastest in the bantamweight division. He also has good power, but I think the difference is Whereas Lineker is very aggressive, John Dobson is a great counterpuncher. He does most of his damage and is able to knock down most of his opponents with a counterpunch. Um, the question is, though, will John Dobson, he, he has a uh, tendency to gas late in the rounds, and keep in mind this is a five-round fight. Um, will Lineker be able to take advantage if Dobson does? I don't think so. I think this is a back-and-forth war. I think John Dobson has matured a lot um, in the last year or so since he's moved up to that bantamweight division. Uh, Greg Jackson and Winkle John, those guys are going to have him in tip-top shape. I think it's going to be a tough, close fight, but I think Dobson ultimately gets a decision victory. Yeah, I'm going to go the other way. I think um, 
I think Lineker, I think for all the reasons that you said, this is going to be a great fight. The conditioning from Jackson and Winklejohn with Dawson. Lineker, though, I think he's, I think he's the harder puncher. I think he's got the better gas tank. And again, he's riding uh, a nice winning streak. On the other hand, Dotson's coming off of a 37-second knockout against Manville Gamburian, which, again, he wasn't even a top-five guy. So, And before that, he got beat by Demetrius Johnson five rounds to zero. So the reason I bring that up is because of the quick knockout against the Nobody. That's more of like a confidence builder. And what I'm saying is I don't think that Dotson is ready to go five hard rounds against the tough guy. We're going to find out. But I'm going to go with Lineker by split decision in a really great fight, fight of the night um, on that card. All right. That's about it, Brad. You got anything to say to the fans before we get out of here? No, just, uh, you know, looking, like you said, boxing's in a bit of a lull for the next month or so. We're going to keep them. Up to date. We'll still give you your boxing fix on the Ultimate Fight Show. Uh, so keep tuned into that on the Facebook page and the YouTube channel. But yeah, man, just very excited. Um, should be a good show this weekend. Looking forward to uh, a lot of great football. As you wanted to, as you, before the show, you rubbed it in a little bit about my Bulldogs losing to Ole Miss this weekend. <laughs> They're gonna um, lose again this weekend too. Tennessee's coming to town. I know Tennessee is riding high. Could you know? Could could this be a letdown for Tennessee though? I mean, it could I don't this know. be they one were, of those come down fights come. between the hedges. It's a different ball game. That's true. That is true. Uh, we also got an October eighth next week UFC two hundred four the rematch Dan Henderson against Michael Bisping, but this time the middleweight championship of the world is on the line, Brad. It's huge. Also, the co-main event, Vitor Belford against Gegard Mousasi, Oven St. Pro against Jamal Manoa, and Steven Strube against Daniel Amazonic. Huge card, huge UFC. We don't want to give it away now, but Brad, where are you leaning right now? Oh, man. I... It only takes one shot. It only takes one Hendo bomb to uh, create a new champion. It's cocked, it's loaded, and it's ready to go. Uh, Bisping has matured since that since UFC 100, since their last fight. Uh, he's a better fighter since then. Hendo has aged a bit before our very eyes, but man, it only takes one. And can he land it? Who knows? Yeah, I mean it's I, I'm I kind of want to talk about it now, but we're not we, we won't. But I'm um, looking at Bisbing has won. He's got CB Dalloway. He beat uh, Cialis Latis. Questionable win against Anderson Silva. He really got knocked out cold and got saved by the bell. And then he had the huge win against Rockhold, which you can't take that away from him. So he avenged one loss on his on his resume. He's got several other losses, but the one to Henderson is the one that changed his life. That was UFC 100, July 11, 2009. Seven years later, can he get revenge? I don't know, Brad. I, I'm, I think we might hear and new. I think it might be and new that night. 
Well, I'm, I'm, if it was, I'm okay. like I'm, I'm like you, man. I'm excited for that fight, and I'm as much oh, as yeah. we want to talk about it. We need to save some for next week. And uh, God, can you can you believe it's been seven years already since UFC yeah. 100 since, since that fight? That's I can still remember it. I still remember sitting there with uh, Mrs. Bragg, just sitting there watching that fight, and um, she Lesnar was actually rooting for Bisbing for some reason, and uh, I was rooting for Hendo. And my God, it just the Hendo bomb, baby, and then, then of course the uh, the elbow drop that uh, came down after it was just awesome. So, ah, oh, man, I can't wait, man. Yeah, this week's it's gonna, gonna be, be huge. It's gonna be a huge week. I, I'll just say this: I think that um, what how great of a story would it be if Dan Henderson knocked Bisbing out and went out on top as the middleweight champion of the world? It would be it'd be because he's always. If you think about it, when, when when Henderson came over to the UFC from Pride, he was the Pride middleweight and light heavyweight champion. And they let him fight Quentin Rampage Jackson, who beat him. And then they let him fight Anderson Silva, who also beat him. So Dan Henderson has never tasted UFC gold. How fitting would it be for him to get it in his possibly last fight against a man who he holds? Arguably the most devastating knockout in UFC history. Again, stay tuned to next week. So, <laughs> on, be- on behalf of the Bragg fans, I'm your host LC, saying thanks for stopping by to the Ultimate Fight Show. Good night. Are you ready? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.